In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin. And this is episode number 64, Criminal. Oh, do you remember Fiona Apple? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's playing in my head yeah. right now. And she's got a new album out right now. Oh. But her first album is my favorite album. And it has that song, Criminal. Yes. And I chose this because I thought, you know, we often talk about crime, criminals. We, sure do. we do. But we haven't necessarily thought specifically about this issue of criminals that we kind of like yeah which yeah i have to admit that some of my picks are kind of hard because i've used a lot of the books of criminals oh, that sure. i like me too at this point in our podcast it does make the choices harder each yes. episode because i'm like oh what i recommended a while back would yes. be yeah uh-huh. yes not that we're not up to the challenge oh, but God, no we Jesus. just keep reading so that we can give you more great picks yeah. So thinking about criminal, Erin, mm-hmm. yes. Um, what do you think makes a criminal likable as opposed to say despicable? Well, I think the crime, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, yep, is yep, one yep. factor. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. I also think that in general, it's sort of the same thing as people. Like if you're just, you know, if you're a good person, everybody makes mistakes. So I can get on board with that. Like if mm-hmm. you genuinely care about people and you're trying and you're genuinely remorseful, then. I'll probably end up in your camp. Yeah. But if you're not, mm-hmm. and now certain crimes I'm going to struggle with. Like yeah. serial killer, for oh, instance. Yeah. It's going to be hard for mm-hmm, me to mm-hmm. really. Or, you know, say like who we talked about last episode, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nothing redeeming there. No, Mm-mm. no, no, Mm-mm. no. I was more thinking, yeah, like the criminals that, you know, that kind of get caught up in the system, but maybe don't really yes. deserve to be caught up in the system. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's the same as people. Just. Be good, and I'll like you, criminal. (laughs) (laughs) 
to all the criminals out, out there, there you yeah, heard it whatever. first yeah aaron says just be nice to her and, and it's you're cool in. i'm done i'm fine i'm on your team it's that easy um speaking of like crimes that maybe someone shouldn't be caught up for mm-hmm. do you think that there are crimes in our justice system that you would like to see decriminalized i definitely do i yeah. think um first off with alcohol i think we do a real mm. big disservice um you know in other countries it's not criminalized in the way that it is here and so it's That's made so much more attractive here because it is criminalized yeah. till yep. to a later date i also think you know Marijuana, I don't think it should be criminalized, partly because that's been used as a, as a way to arrest so many people that shouldn't be in jail. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think that, and you know, up to a couple of weeks ago, I would have maybe said sex work too, like decriminalize that, because I think there's this idea that if we decriminalized it, it would make it safer mm-hmm. for, you know, women that are right. out there. But I listened to this podcast oh. with um, Amy Schumer has a podcast with a couple other comedians. And she invited Alexi Ash Myers, who is Seth Meyers' wife. Okay. And she works in um, sex trafficking crime. Oh, and wow. she actually talked about how decriminalization would... Um, potentially increase sex trafficking because oh. the demand would still be there and it would uh. in fact accentuate the demand so she's like what we want really is not necessarily decriminalization she pointed to a model over in europe that's being used called the equality model where it only criminalizes or makes it a crime for a person to seek sex and pay for sex or for those who are trafficking in sex work okay the women themselves would be offered a whole slew of services to help them either get out of the life you know be healthier in the life but the only crimes then are the actual you know men that are taking advantage of the women interesting yeah and she talked about how that's actually um been much more helpful it's reduced like uh, I think she even said it's reduced murders of sex work. I mean, it's it's reduced a ton of violence oh. around it. Mm. So my point being that up to a couple of weeks ago, I would have thought this would be a crime that we decriminalize in order to help the women that are in it. But mm-hmm. I think we just need to change the crime and focus on the real offenders, the traffickers and the yes. dudes that are paying for it. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I was in the same boat as you, so I need to listen to that podcast. Because... Yeah, I'll uh, I'll link to it because I thought it was really, yeah. really interesting, really well done. Yeah. So, Aaron, thinking mm-hmm. about you know crimes and prosecuting crimes, mm-hmm. if you were a judge, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I really like the idea of you being a judge, <laughs> if you were a judge, mm-hmm. what would the rules of your courtroom be? Well, it'd be real simple. Okay. No one would know them but me. <laughs> Here's why. <laughs> You're going to be on your toes. You just come in. You don't know what to expect. I don't want no. you walking in thinking you're just going to get away with your Barney badass bullshit. Mm-mm. That's not going to happen. Maybe it will, depending on the day. But today, no, I don't feel like it. Wow. You need to present a case. You need to do it fairly. Mm-hmm. If you get out of line, I will not tolerate that. Oof. It will be quick and swift. Wow. And out of line can mean a variety of things. Because mm-hmm. listen, I'm the judge and you best respect it. <laughs> This was a dangerous question, I just realized, because you love power. I love it. And so this would be a really, this would be a situation where you could Mm -hmm. really cause a lot of um, Mm -hmm. ruckus. I would just like to be known like, hey, you don't know what's going to come out of her mouth, but it's fair and it's based in logic. So you basically want to be Judge Judy. Oh, no. Is she always fair? I don't know. I don't watch the show, but I don't either. Okay. 
So if she's always fair and logical, then yes, I have no problem. Would with that. you have sayings like I think she has sayings like you know don't piss on me and tell me, me it's raining, raining or right? I yeah. don't hate that phrase, sure. but yeah, I think I just would like it to be like you just don't know when I'm just going to stop you and say, mm-hmm. listen, that's bullshit. We're not doing that. Yeah. I'm not going to even wait for him to object. That's ridiculous. Ooh, I like that. Stop it. Mm-hmm. We don't have time for this. Our criminal justice system doesn't have time for this. I don't have time for this. So bring me something better. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to know if your case is based in facts and logic and your heart's in the right place and you really believe you're doing the right thing, I'm going to give you a fair shot and I'm going to look at your case. But if you're coming in there just thinking that you're the best and you don't really need to do your homework. Mm, so you don't want any grandstanding attorneys. Nope. You don't want any shenanigans. Nope. Nope. And I won't be afraid to throw people out. I don't listen. Like right now, mm-hmm. you're not wearing a mask. You're out of here. Oh, yeah. You sneezed. You're definitely out mm-hmm. of here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're doing. Whose side are you? Are you just a looky-loo? You're out. I don't like the cut of your jib. Get out. Done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would want to have like a really good like bailiff. Like that just really understood me that we could joke around like I could look at. And he or she would be like, right? And yeah. Be like, mm-hmm. Could and I would- be your bailiff? Yes. <gasps> that's perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, then I could just make eye contact and you'd be like, okay. Yeah. And um, we could just, you know, talk without talking. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, yeah. I'm hungry. And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Lunch. Yeah. Like, just her stop it. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're done. Mm-hmm. I could just be like, what are we having? Indian? Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'd be able to read your moods so I would know, like, or not necessarily your moods, just like, I know what you mm-hmm. would be thinking so I could, like, cut off a lot of the riffraff before yes. it gets to you. Yes. You'd be like, look, this is day three. She is not going to put up with that bullshit. Mm-mm. You take that frilly collar, go change it into get a normal out. collar. Mm-hmm. You, you better keep it short today because she's going <laughs> to cut you off. So, And you, you're wearing like a, an English wig to this court. Where do you think we are? No. If anyone wears an English wig, it's me. <laughs> okay. Ooh, is that going to be part of your Maybe. wardrobe? I like it. Actually, that'd be great. Like on the first day be- of trial, just show up in something weird to throw them off. <laughs> Sorry. Is this distracting? This is me. You should just judge Aaron. Yeah. Judge mm-hmm. Aaron. Get it. And mm-hmm. people will be like, oh, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Right. And also she's the judge, so we can't really say mm-hmm. anything. You know how like attorneys, you know, when they draw and they're like, oh, I got that attorney oh, they're, or that judge. They're really hard. I, I would want it to be a mystery. Like it could That's go right. either way. Yeah. And like, they'll oh. be advising their clients like, I don't know what to tell you. I about judge Keep Aaron. your mouth shut. Yeah. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. And we'll go from there. Right. This one's going to be by the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't make too much direct eye contact. And one thing I can do is also hype you up. Like I can Ooh. be out in Ooh. the you know hallways and I'd be like, "Listen, you know what Judge Aaron just did? Yeah, let me tell you, just strike fear amongst mm-hmm. everyone." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, I just watched her take down a lot of peanut butter cups, so <laughs> I'm telling you right now, she's gonna be hyped. <laughs> She's got a real strong sugar high going on right now, so things are gonna get. Don't weird. mess with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like this idea. I do too. Can we have our own courtroom? Yes. I I think it should be. I mean, maybe we could start a podcast where like people call in and give you, (laughs) give you legal situations and you rule. Yeah. I don't even care if it's legal. Like, Mm. let's just take situations and we'll give you advice and or what we think. Yeah. We'll settle the squabble for you. Yeah. Like, hey, you and your significant other have this argument about, you know, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm whether cucumbers should go on salads right let's talk about it i mean this is a valid argument and let's let's talk about it yeah done for you oh this is gonna be great that's a pretty great bonus episode right there yeah i like that okay well 
Okay. Whew. We spent a lot of time on that. <laughs> uh, Amy, mm-hmm. I like to picture this. Yeah. If you were a criminal. <laughs> you know I'd be a good one. You'd be great. What nickname would you like the media to use? Well, you know, I kind of thought of, I can't remember which episode this was, where, oh, we were, it was a bonus episode. We were trying to guess the answers to each other's yes. questions. And you said I'd be very good at like sneak attack kind of things or like long games. Yes. So I chose my names that way. Mm-hmm. I chose first the Red Menace. Oh, that's solid. Or the Red Fox. Because mm-hmm. that could be, you know, you're kind of wily. You don't really quite know what's that. So yeah. I chose a theme, obviously. The but Red Fox is great, too. Yeah. Especially because I like the use of the word wily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. That would have to be in all the headlines about me. Yeah. That wily Red Fox. So now we need a bonus episode where we're running a courtroom <laughs> and we need a criminal enterprise where you are committing crimes and yeah. getting called the Red Fox. Mm-hmm. Easy. We can do that by Thursday. Totally. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know, this was the kind of stuff that uh, it just didn't work as well over Zoom. We couldn't come up with these ideas no. as quickly as we can no. now. Zoom just shut oh. down my idea factory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we decided that our quarantine includes each other and that, it you know, to it at has some to. Point, yeah. yeah. We're doing the best we can. Doing the damn it. best we can. Yes. Yeah. Most days. Well, you know who else did the best they could? Fiona Apple in writing this song. She did far better than the best she could. She did incredible. You killed it, Fiona Apple. <laughs> you killed it. So thinking about, you know, books that feature criminals that we might like or that yeah. we're sort of somehow um, seduced by, perhaps. Ooh, ooh. For my fiction pick, I chose The Remains of the Day mm. by Kazuo Ishiguro okay. and published in 1989. Mm. You probably know him from a number of other books yeah. um, that some have been made into movies, including this book. I've never seen the movie, so mm. I'm not quite sure how that compares. But the book, let me tell you about this. Yes. It is based in 1956. And Stevens, he's been a butler at Darlington Hall in England for decades. But there's now a new owner, an American, that's come in and bought the house. And the American owner, he encourages Stevens to take a break before diving into his new duties. Stevens doesn't know what vacation really is. He's never really taken a break. But he decides, okay, I'll take a road trip and I'll go see my former colleague, a housekeeper named Miss Kenton. Mm. So Stevens is on a road trip. And along the way, he's telling us about his philosophy on being a good butler, what it means to have dignity in your work. And he's very super stiff and formal. And at first, he's kind of just like, it's almost too, it's one of those guys, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to like him. And then gradually, you're like, I like him. He's very cool. <laughs> you start to like him. You're drawn into his world. He's, he's a hard worker. He's content with his lot. He's content with what, you know, he was brought up to be. We also like him because he sort of hints at these unspoken feelings that he had for Miss Kenton mm. um, and that she kind of returned those feelings and oh. they never acted on them. Um, he kind of denied them. He pushed them away because they weren't professional and he's a dignified butler. Uh-huh. So he wouldn't do that. Uh-huh. Then he tells us about some of the past and his former employer, Lord Darlington. And Stevens just gushes about Lord Darlington, admires and misses him. Even as he admits that there was some controversy over Lord Darlington's involvement in the 1930s with a group of Germans, Nazis. Oh, Lord Darlington. Yeah. So Stevens talks about that. He also talks about his dad, who was a butler, too, and who was aloof, even abusive. 
And the reason I chose the book for this theme is because there's some really fascinating complexity and what kind of seems simple at first. This book, you know, you just feel like you're getting to know this guy. He's on a road trip, real cut and dry. And then it starts getting real involved and complex. Mm. And he claims to lead this simple life dedicated to hard work and dignity. But he's not able to recognize when there are legit crimes being committed um, against him, against other housekeepers, against the country, against society. Like, there's some real tough stuff happening, and he just doubles down. He's just going to follow Lord Darlington to the gates of hell, pretty much. But that by this point, when you realize where he's at on this, you're drawn into him and his world. So you start to really question your own sort of complicity in this, oh. your own ability to tell when something is right, when rules should be broken, when you need to rethink your life. Um, I found an article by a writer who writes for The Guardian in England, and he says that he gives this book to all of his family, all of his friends. He's constantly like evangelizing this book. Like this is his oh. favorite book. And he says, The Remains of the Day is a book about a thwarted life. It's about how class conditioning can turn you into your own worst enemy, making you complicit in your own subservience. And I liked that. I liked mm. the, the element of crime here and how there's no clear answers, how Stevens may or may not be involved. It's, mm. it's a really twisty and deceptively simple book. Ooh, I like deceptively simple. Mm -hmm. It's a great descriptor. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I had not heard of that. I read it, um, I had heard of the movie, actually. I didn't think, mm. or I didn't maybe know that it was based on a book. And I think the movie came out in the 90s and got all sorts of awards. It was okay. like Anthony Hopkins and oh. Emma Thompson okay. and like, you know, real big mm -hmm. prestige stuff. But yeah. Oh. I like it when you recommend those that I know that I could probably readily get from the library. <laughs> you definitely could. Really 1989. <laughs> they're going to be like, we don't have that anymore. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Well, the... Uh, fiction pick this week that I brought is called Happy and You Know It by Laura Hankin. And um, this was just released um, a couple months ago. Uh, the main We're following the main character, Claire. She's um, a young woman living in New York, and she has just been kicked out of her band right before they become incredibly famous with a hit song that she wrote. Ooh. And so she is depressed and bitter and angry and all the things that you would expect and also running out of money very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so her cousin helps her get a gig with a mommy's group for some extra cash. And all a she, mommy's group? A mommy's oh, group. No. All she has to do is show up and sing a few children's songs because she's got this great voice. She's got a guitar. No problem. They're going to pay through the nose because they're wealthy. New York mommy's group. Perfect. Just earn some money till you get back on your feet. So immediately Claire's pretty sure she doesn't belong she walks into this super posh completely modern decorated like beautiful nothing out of place apartment with whitney this host who is perfectly put together mm -mm. but then is also somehow warm and endearing and claire's drawn in a little bit like oh you're a little bit different than i thought but mm -hmm. i also don't belong here i got my jeans my t-shirt you know um and real quick in the group she sort of starts to get won over by these moms she even Whitney, you know, the perfect mom, but she also really forms a bond, a friendship with Amara, who is one of the moms in the group who had a really, really successful career um, and gave it up at the pinnacle to raise her child. And she worked for a late night show. And so Claire sees this as maybe an opportunity to get back into the world or have a connection. Um, and 
she doesn't think too hard about it. She just keeps going to the mommy group. She laughs at some of the ridiculousness, you know, but she also realizes Amara is very different. You know, she has a different take on it. She really seems to just be bringing her child for the interaction. But then she starts to see that these women also have a very deep friendship with each other that is going beyond just this kind of surface level, what our life looks like. Um, And so she gets kind of sucked in and I won't give away the twist, but Claire kind of unwittingly becomes the person that unravels part of the fakeness that they've created and reveals a criminal enterprise that is happening. Ooh, this sounds good. That they're unknowingly participating in. They don't realize that this is happening. And she's particularly worried for Amara because they formed a really close friendship and she feels very concerned for her. And when she brings this up, not all the women are eager to reveal the truth for various reasons because they have a lot to lose. Mm -hmm. And so it's, taking you through kind of the demise of the group. But what I really like about it is on its surface, it seems kind of like this lighthearted kind of funny look at like New York socialite, you know, Oh, you're kind of annoyed at first, you know, Whitney is this Instagram mom. Like she's always, yeah. Posing her child and getting these perfect pictures. But then they talk about a woman that isn't in their group anymore that went through a divorce. So she's been sort of like exiled, but you sort of get drawn in just like Claire does to their actual personalities. And it ends up being a really interesting book about friendship, female friendship in mm-hmm. particular. Yeah. Um, it becomes an interesting book about how do women feel fulfilled? Like when they are put in this role um, of being a stay at home mom, or, you know, they're supposed to throw everything into motherhood. Um, why some of them go that route, why it becomes an Instagram situation or a perfection situation um, when they don't have anything else to funnel Mm -hmm. it into and how these groups can be very susceptible to what happens in this, in the actual story. Um, It's funny. It's a very quick read, uh, but it kind of stuck with me. I I really liked the main character, Claire. I mean, the twist that they're sort of had this criminal thing going on was great. Um, and also, I would say that, you know, like a criminal that I really like, I mean, you just love Amara because she's real, like down to earth. Um, her child does not behave as well as the other children in the group. So you've got that going. She is struggling. Like she gave up this great career. Um, she doesn't feel love being at home mm-hmm. day in and day out. So it's, you know, you automatically like her because yeah. she's real. So I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately when you described going into that apartment, I thought of your experience with Lip Sense Party. Yeah. And I, I, I'm now wondering if all those ladies have a criminal enterprise under this already pyramid scheme. That would not surprise me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd be hmm. the perfect cover. It'd give them a lot more depth than I think I, I have considered them to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I will tell you, the person that is in charge of the criminal enterprise you don't like her, but you respect her. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 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 That's interesting. I, I wonder, too, like, you know, we were talking about what makes a criminal sort of likable. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there is a, if it's more about respect, if somehow, like, we can see what they're doing and we're like, that's off to you. Yeah. Like, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why we like them. Well, and there's an element in this situation where they're complicit, but you're also, as an outsider, you're like, how did you not know? Like, mm-hmm. you didn't question any of this? So there's some level of that, too, where you're like, well, which I think we do a lot in society. Like, how would you not know? You're, yes. That's your own fault. Yes. You know? Which it, it shouldn't be that way, because honestly, when you read it, there are a lot of situations I can think of right now that could very easily be the same thing and people mm-hmm. don't realize. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that assumes that, you know, when you're in a situation, you're 
right fully in charge of your faculties but when you're in a situation especially when you're kind of out of fish out of water kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah you're probably not questioning too much mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're trying to keep up with each other mm-hmm. there is an element of that you know and that's what i loved about the book too is that when they stripped that away you know what was left was actual real friendship which mm-hmm. is what they all wanted and was what they really treasured more so yeah. than the you know per- perfection image did you learn how to be an instagram mom um I, yeah there's some hints i hmm. lack a few things okay um, such as uh one a lot of yoga pants <laughs> um two yoga poses oh no three a child that would sit still that long yeah i don't think mason's gonna do that four being able to do my own makeup oh yeah five no. highlights huh six some kind of gloss <laughs> treatment seven the right lighting slash house eight um, uh-huh. professional decorating sure 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 and nine sponsors wow so there's a few there's a few obstacles <laughs> yeah yeah i think if you put my instagram picture up to like an instagram mom picture mm-hmm. you would be like it'd be like those things that you see where it's like a pinterest fail like that's yes. what mine's gonna look like yeah a pinterest fail. okay okay but that's okay if mine look like the other something's wrong you should be concerned i would definitely be concerned if you suddenly had like you know full instagram mom like everything was polished to be like what is you happening have right now yeah off the rails. yeah or i'd be like someone has kidnapped her feed yes. and kidnapped her yes. she is in a closet somewhere she is they are forcing her children to pose like this because mm-hmm. they wouldn't and somehow they've got mason on their side and how would they do that? See, it just sounds like a real criminal know. enterprise. He's really into money right now. So I'm afraid he would turn in a heartbeat. So hard. I don't think it would take much. I mean, yeah. You if know. you know him at all, you know how you could get him. And that's scary. Wow. Okay. Well, that's mm-hmm. good to know. And I'm glad we've shared that to our whole audience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that I will cut. <laughs> A bit. Oh, yeah, you so will. So don't yeah, get near I, my kids. No, okay, no, no, so no. easy. Yeah, he might yeah. be easy to turn, but you got to get through me. <laughs> and I'm no joy, okay? <laughs> you will easily turn criminal. So easy. <laughs> I mean, not even with your children as an excuse. You'll just turn criminal pretty easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right situation. Make it lucrative enough. Yeah. I'm in. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my other genre pick um thinks or talks about uh a criminal we know a lot about mm-hmm. it's called the five the untold lives of the women killed by jack the ripper from Haley rubenhold published last year so like i said we've probably all heard of jack the ripper mm-hmm. famous serial killer that operated in victorian london tons of books tons of movies about him We probably know a lot about the details of the killings and the mutilation and the mystery around the who who the killer is. But what gets lost in the story and maybe gets lost in a lot of the stories of criminals are the people they that he killed the the actual victims here. And sometimes there's even mistruths and, and lies about the killings like we know Jack the Ripper is a killer of prostitutes. But this author Uh, provides clear evidence that that's not the case. Like, that's just been a misnomer from the get. So this book talks about five women that he killed, humanizing them, telling their story. And along the way, we get this sort of incredible picture of what it was like in 1888 in Victorian London and how the system was set up, really, to punish women and working-class poor people. So we get pictures of Polly, Annie, Elizabeth, Catherine, and Mary Jane 
all killed by this unknown man in 1888. As the author says, they died because pretty much they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, but also because they were poor and they were women. Uh, all of the women, like they're very different stories, each of them, but there are some similarities. You know, all of them had just a small amount of school and then at a young age had to take care of their siblings or they were sent out to be servants in rich houses or they were pushed quickly into marriage and motherhood. And for all of them, they, they lived a, a very precarious life in the way that one mistake, you know, and they could end up in poor houses, and some of them do, or on the streets, mm-hmm. and some of them do. And if you turn to booze to make the days a little brighter, which quite a few of them do, then there's even more troubles. So what's cool here is how the author has reconstructed these lives from, like, buried records, from small details, and the actual materials found on the bodies when they were discovered. So it's an incredible piece of writing and research and putting out stuff that probably has never been put out in this way, this this amazing amount of detail. So it's a fascinating look at this never-really-seen side of this criminal legend. And it, wow. it reads like, you know, I mean, obviously these were real people. And yeah. so you're reading yeah. biographies pretty much of five women and you know where it ends. Mm. But it's it's incredible to really, you know, see the actual woman. It, it reminded me of when you talked about, was it Lost Girls? Mm-hmm. The book that, yeah, mm-hmm. that really talked about um, some of the details of these lives that we may then just summarize with a quick headline or something. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I saw that book, but I didn't know I'm going to put it on the list because yeah. I wasn't sure how I I was into it or not. Mm-hmm. But it sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the big, the big that I the big that I picked the book that I picked for uh, nonfiction this week is called True Story: Murder Memoir Mea Culpa by Michael Finkel. Hmm. Um, this was published in 2005. Um, this book is very weird and twisty in Ooh. a lot of ways. Um, we start with Michael Finkel, who's a reporter for the New York Times. And in February of 2002, a reporter in Oregon contacts him to tell him that Christian Longo, who was a wanted fugitive as a suspect in the murder of his whole entire family, has been captured in Mexico using a different identity. And the identity that he was using was Michael Finkel of the New York Times. <gasps> Almost simultaneously to this happening, Michael Finkel has been fired from the New York Times, and the New York Times has published a letter saying that he was fired because he falsified pieces of information in a very long investigative report. And so he's going through a personal crisis when this Oregon reporter gets a hold of him and tells him this story. And so the parallel is, as the Longo case progresses, he will only speak to Michael Finkel. And so they begin this very bizarre and all-encompassing relationship. And Michael Finkel kind of happens to be at the point in his life that he's sort of interested mm-hmm. um, and sort of at a point to look, I think, in a way for a kindred spirit, like someone who maybe feels misunderstood or maybe everyone doesn't know the whole story. So in the book, he parallels the narrative of his own personal story about the report and what happened Along and his deep regret alongside that of the story of Christian Longo, the crime, his escape, what he did while he was in Mexico, all by interviewing him, speaking to him. I mean, in the book, he is so encompassed. This man is writing to him all the time. He's calling him all the time. Um, It's a very in-depth relationship in that sense. Um, And they sort of develop a friendship that 
Michael sort of ends up being freaked out by because he realizes how deep he got in with someone who there's really no denying committed the crime. Mm -hmm. And at one point, you know, he basically admits that he did. And so he's struggling with the fact that he really connected with this person who did this horrendous thing. And he's also having to reconcile that maybe he was at a point, maybe mentally or professionally, that he was a little bit vulnerable to sort of throwing himself into someone else's story or looking, you know, looking at a crime from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't pick this because you don't necessarily like Christian Longo, but the way that Michael gets sucked into it is so interesting. And the way that he presents the two narratives together, Mm -hmm. I mean, you just, you feel sucked in. I mean, you feel as invested in finding out what's going on with this Christian as he does. I mean, you are like waiting for the next call and waiting for the next letter because you know, something gets cut off and you want to know what the fact is. And it's, so it's very, very well done. And it's a very interesting take. And I think it was a very incredibly vulnerable piece of work for this Man, writer. Yeah. I mean, to put all this out there, to kind of lay out everything that happened and then lay out this other story, um, kind of admit that he might even have crossed the line as a professional journalist with Christian Longo in the sense that he lost a little bit of sight of what the story was. Um, it's, it's, fascinating and it was very it was just different from any other true crime book that i've read so i'm putting themselves putting himself in the story yes and and the story sort of being about him too it is it's more about really the author coming to reckoning or how you can get spend so much time on something you only see a small part of it you don't see the big picture anymore it's almost more about that than it really is the crime because mm-hmm. the crime is sort of, you, you kind of know yeah. what it is and you kind of know right away mm-hmm. that he's probably guilty. So yeah, it's, it's, it's something. Wow. <laughs> well, and that got me thinking about um, just journalists and reporters who write about crime regularly. That must be a, a very difficult experience in some ways when maybe they find themselves getting a little too into the story or maybe you know like this guy or we've heard other killers they can be very charming they can be Mm -hmm. very like persuasive and and that has to be a a difficult thing yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and to to know yourself enough to know that maybe you're at a point that Mm -hmm. you maybe shouldn't have spent so much time on that story or you kind of had your own stuff going on and so I say, I mean, very vulnerable to allow people into yeah. that level, but made for a great read. So, wow. mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds really good. Uh, well, pop culture wise, mm-hmm. I have a movie that I think I recommended to you. It's okay. called Blow the Man Down. You did. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's on Prime. It came out earlier this year, I think right around the time that stuff shut down. So it was perfect to, to get into this. It is set in a small fishing town in Maine. Priscilla and Mary Beth are young adult sisters, like late teens, early 20s, whose mom just died. And mom ran a sort of seafood and supplies store, but they are riddled with debt. The the store's not doing well. They're going to lose the house. There's just, there's some major decisions that have to be made. But the night of the funeral, uh, Mary Beth, she's the younger one. She's much more impulsive. And she meets up with this guy at a bar. And it seems fun at first, but quickly it turns dangerous. Um, He starts to be uh, a little, you know, uh, potential threat. Mm. And she kills him. Okay. Suddenly, the two sisters are trying to figure out what to do. 
and how to cover this up. Because, of course, we need to cover this up. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they run into one of the matriarchs of the town, played by Margot Martindale, national friggin' treasure. (laughs) (laughs) And they quickly learn that their mother was much more complicated and might be a little more criminal than they thought. So... Some elements that come in. There's a bag of cash that's found and then lost. There's some prostitutes working the pier under Margot Martindale's instruction. And if you know you need a good female pimp, Margot Martindale's the girl to go that, to. Yeah. There's more dead bodies. There is a Greek chorus of sorts made up of fishermen that just every once in a while come in and, and start singing in a yeah. There are three older women in the town who seem to be the real power. And they are at odds with Margot Martindale and quickly get involved with the young girls as well. It is so fun to see a criminal movie made up pretty much of all women. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, The men are here for sure, but they're sort of the reactors. They're the threats. They're the dudes coming into the brothel because they're the brothel. Right. Well, yeah, of course. I assumed. Yeah. (laughs) The the movie was written and directed by two women, too. Um, The filmmaking team of Daniel Crudy, excuse me, Danielle Crudy and Bridget Savage Cole. And the the last like minute of the movie, maybe minute or two of the movie, so incredible i just i loved it so much i think it was perfect ending it was just yeah so yeah come for the you know the the ladies with the power and see all sorts of weird crimes happening but you get a real satisfying end Mm -hmm. well i'm in yeah i was in before i kind of want Margot martindale to take over a lot of towns Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with her, she was in The Americans. She was in, oh, shoot. Now I'm forgetting like everything. She's been in a bunch of things as sort of like a tough older lady, and she is every bit of it here. It's fantastic. <laughs> I saw some reviews that were likening this to like Fargo Ooh. in a weird way. So, and there's mm. some tonal similarities here. Okay. So if you're, if you like that kind of stuff, you know I do. Get in here. Get in, get in here. 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 (laughs) Y'all get in here. Y'all get in here. Okay. Well, I'm recommending something this week that it technically has two more episodes I haven't seen, but I'm going for it because it's been good enough so far that even if they flush it down the toilet, I don't care. You're okay with it? Okay, great. Dirty John Betty, which is the Betty Broderick story. So if you're unfamiliar, Mm. they put out uh, a mini series about Dirty John, Mm -hmm. and now they're calling it Dirty John Betty, I suppose, to bring, you know, to make... People and it's a different the story it's from a, the original. Yes, yeah. entirely different story from Dirty John. This deals with the story of Betty Broderick. So um, it, this came out on the USA Network, but it's also being replayed on Bravo. You can get it on demand. Um, it stars Amanda Peet and Christian Slater. As awesome. A, yes, mm-hmm. as a married couple. Um, and it's this true crime with a twist that is just, you are just going to be like, kind of blown away so if you know anything about this story you know that this woman murdered her ex-husband and his new wife in their bed what you don't probably know is the entire backstory leading up to this event and that is really what this show tells and if you think that they're throwing betty broderick under the bus you would be mistaken Mm. because they are doing an excellent job of telling her story and if you have ever rooted for a criminal not that I'm condoning murder, but if you have ever rooted for someone, 
It's her. It's going to be Betty? You are just kind of like enthralled in actual backstory. So the backstory is that they met when they were very young in college. She had a very, very strict family and not a good family relationship. Um, Dan is like this very, like we've said about a lot of criminals, Mm -hmm. very charming, very persuasive. He is going to school to be a doctor. And so um, she ends up getting pregnant and they get married and she's sort of forced to give up what she wanted to do because he's going to be a doctor. He can't. And they just continue to have children. And he decides after he becomes a medical doctor that what he actually wants to be is a lawyer because he could be an amazing malpractice lawyer knowing the medical field. Oh, okay. So he makes this incredible practice for himself. They rise from, I mean, we're talking in college, they could barely afford heat and we're raising two kids in this apartment to crazy amounts of riches because he's killing it. Okay. So remembering that she supported him through all of this. She did everything. She kept the home. She raised the kids. She kept the budget. She did everything for him to get him to this Mm -hmm. point. She even encouraged him to go out on his own, in his own practice when he first started as a lawyer. And he repays her by... Getting a mistress and deciding he's going to marry her. Time. Old tale. But the twist is, is that he's also a lawyer. So he is using the system against her during the divorce. And she's too naive to understand until things are happening. He's effectively taken away her kids. He's made sure she's gotten no money. He purposely goats her, but no one knows that. They only see the sides of her that come out. Mm -hmm. He's making people that work for him record these, like, transcribe these horrible messages that she leaves on his answering machine. Um, But not explaining that before she left that message, he sent her a letter Mm -hmm. saying this. Forgetting the context, yeah. he cut off a credit card or he did whatever. Um, It is... You will despise Christian Slater. Um, as it goes on, you you see that she's having a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And you know that what she's doing isn't right. I mean, real But qu- kind of pushed to the brink, it sounds yeah, like. I yeah, I mean, real quickly, she's really, it's getting real, it's getting painful in the sense that she's really putting her kids in the middle. That's hard to watch. Um, I mean, she is, some of the stuff she does is like what probably revenge fantasies are made of, like you want to do. I mean, she's breaking into his house and just busting every valuable thing she can Ooh. find. She takes his favorite cake, a Boston, or boston cream pie and just smears it all over his bed because he effectively tricks her out of the home too oh my god yeah it, it is when you see it all played out you are you're just a, it's like a gut punch and you can see how she got there mm-hmm. and you can see how in the criminal justice system none of this was going to be brought up and you could see to an outsider who doesn't know the whole story how crazy she looks mm-hmm. and how insane she must be and how lucky he is that he got away from her because they don't know any of the other stuff. And a real bone of contention is this answering machine that she keeps leaving messages on. And one of the things she says is, I can't go to a therapist because he's a lawyer and he knows how to get the records. Nothing I say is safe. So the only therapy I have is to call his answering machine <gasps> and yell. Yeah. And that that's makes what sense. She explains to her friends because her friends are like, "Why don't you try a journal? Do something else? Like this is getting crazy." And she's like, "No." But unbeknownst to her, he's recording all these and oh transcribing. It's just oh, so obviously it ends a murder. You know that's not great. Obviously she's you know it's very clear that she's guilty. But there's just like almost all crime stories. There's so much more. And so much more, especially when yes. it involves women at the yes. at the helm of it. Yeah. And we talked about gaslighting a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, and I thought one of the genius episodes that they did was 
um, they made it look as though we're in the courtroom when she's on trial for the murders. And they have a clinical psychologist on the stand talking about gaslighting and what happens to a person in long-term gaslighting situations. And he wasn't even saying just the divorce. He was saying basically their entire life. That's what Dan has done to her. And so the, the psychological elements that she was dealing with, it, it was so fascinating to listen to that part. And when we talked about gaslighting, we talked about racial gaslighting mm-hmm. and it, you kind of put that in context too. When yeah. somebody, when that's been done to somebody their whole life, long, long term. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. The actual effects of that. So I, it's so much more than I thought it was going to be. Wow. And it's fantastic. I mean, I was an Amanda Pete fan before, sure. but she's terrific in this. I mean, just nailing it. Um, and Christian Slater's great. I mean, you hate him. And like you're rooting for her mainly to get help. You just want someone to intervene on her behalf. I'm not rooting for her to kill. I'm just, I'm not going to lie. I think it's hilarious when she bashes all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it is. Whew. Yeah, I love Christian Slater. Um, I am a big fan of the show Mr. Robot where he, mm-hmm. it, his character is kind of walking that line. You're not quite sure. To, so to see him just fully terrible Mm -hmm. could be really good oh yeah and you just you question everything he does like is that are you doing that on i mean because he knew what he was doing i mean Mm -hmm. he laid every step out yeah he was building the story oh yeah so that he could Mm -hmm. get what he even to get the kids to get everything on a sort of smaller scale what you were describing there it kind of reminds me of the show we recommended a while back lorena that would be good for this theme as well where it's like it's the 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 details of the case are such such lurid headlines and everything yes. that's splashed all over, but it's the backstory that absolutely matters so much more, mm-hmm. and the backstory that then gets lost mm-hmm. in the actual yeah. story that's publicized. Yeah, yeah, it's hard you- to watch and it's a delight to watch at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining if uh, if and when they show the actual uh, murder, you're going to feel real conflicted. Like you're going to root for it, and also just like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I should be doing this. Criminals. 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 Thank you, Fiona Apple. <laughs> As always, really. Thank you, yeah. Fiona Apple. Yeah. Should we just end every episode? <laughs> Thanks, Fiona Apple. <laughs> and once again, we'd like to thank Fiona Apple. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> our number one fan, <laughs> Fiona Apple. <laughs> We're going to make this happen. You're going to be our number one fan, Fiona. Mm-hmm. Just because we keep... And because, you know, like I named... Uh, podcast after her so you know that's true I mean I don't know if that was actually where Fiona okay. came from in my head say, but yeah no that, no I was like, it, okay. it was just in this moment I put it together like oh that was my cat's name and this is Fiona Apple yeah well it'd be really great if you got a pair of cats and now name them Fiona and Apple that would really help <laughs> our cause I mean I could you know we discovered just two weeks ago that one of the feral cats living outside that I had named Queen Latifah. There's actually like four Queen Latifahs yeah. that I just wasn't differentiating because I wasn't seeing them all together. But we were sitting on my porch for a few hours. And yeah. yeah. So maybe two of them are Fiona and Apple. Oh, there we go. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we got enough now. We got With enough. Salt, pepper, Spinderella, Queen yeah. Latifah. We, we got a add. whole colony. Yeah. And the queen, though, she's been. I've been finding her sleeping on the patio furniture. At uh, in the morning, so she's feeling like uh, this is definitely her domain. Yeah, and I... that's uh, all I can say about that. Yeah, yeah, you're in kind of a situation there. That uh, I am. I'm being extorted. 
by a criminal cat enterprise. Yeah. I mean, they really have you surrounded because when you notice one, you start to notice. You got the eye from one. I did. I was not welcome Mm -mm. in the feeding area. (laughs) Because it was past feeding time. And I was clearly And they were looking at you like, what? What? Who is this? You better not be getting food. That's Mm -hmm. what they were thinking. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you feel the ghost of uh, Podcat when she was looking at you with that disdain, just like Podcat used to do? Yeah, a mm-hmm. little bit. Although it made me miss Podcat's yeah. disdain because it was less. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It was less scary. <gasps> oh wow! It's like the strange, you know, the mm-hmm. danger you know is true. better than the danger true, you true, don't. True, true, true. Yeah. Know? And Fiona, um, the the people who had her before, they declawed her front paws. Yeah. So limited danger she really could do, yeah. unless I'm- she went at you with her bottom. Yeah, which would be something. <laughs> These cats, they got all their claws. And probably very good at fighting. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they want they want nothing to do with humans other than, you know, food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm screwed, basically, yeah. if you throw me to the Queen Latifas. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that makes it sound like I'm a Roman emperor or something and just like, throw them to the Queen Latifas. That's what I imagine. Yeah. That's what you should be yeah. doing from now on. Just- mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Flinging people to Fling. their death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that'll be part of our um, epi- bonus episode. Yeah. Judge <gasps> episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Someone pisses you off, throw them to the queens. You're getting thrown to the queens. <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> Hope you don't like They got your all face. their claws. Yeah. You're going to have some marks. And they're probably going to be permanent. <laughs> well... Guess what? We'll be back next week. We sure will. With a different theme. Probably an update on feral cats, too. Probably. Yeah. In the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open? The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, woman. 
wherever you listen to podcasts.